Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Man On podcast and our game week 14 preview uh, for FPL. Two man, two man attack today. Uh, Darren's not very well. Uh, so it's me and Craig. How are you doing, Craig? Yeah, good. I thought it was a night of uh, late illnesses because I almost got suckered in on, on Twitter before the West Ham game that Jared Bowen was, was a late withdrawal. And I was getting a bit excited that I was going to get Andreas coming off my bench for as first sub for. For Bowen, and then about 10 minutes later, it turns out he was starting all along. But I, I, it wasn't Boone messing around this time, but I still almost got suckered in that he might not actually <laughs> play, and I was going to get a load of sub points from it. But yeah, yeah, Darren's uh, come down with a, an injury in the warm up, shall we say, or an illness in the warm up. Yeah, something like that. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's cruel for you thinking you're going to get your Andreas points. He was first bench for me as well. I did, I had, I had Darwin and, um, Literally five minutes before deadline, I just said, "Oh fuck it, I'm gonna hit him out for Firmino." Um, and obviously, if I hadn't done that, I would have just started um, Andreas. So that's cost me 14 points that move. But um, yeah, that's, that's the way it's going at the moment. But uh, on to the next one. Um, we've got game week 14 coming up, um, so we're going to preview the 10 the 10 fixtures uh, for next weekend. Um, we're going to look at Andreas Pereira, how he's performing against. Um, midfielders at a similar price point, um, and but also how he's performing against um, the the sort of next tier up, if you like, of midfielder. Um, looks like Unai Emery is uh, in as the Aston Villa manager, so Craig, our Villa fan, will give us some thoughts on Unai Emery in at Aston Villa, um, and we'll answer your listener questions as well at the end. Yeah, let's jump into Andreas. So this is. Quite a big talking point. Not this isn't the first time, by the way. I've had him first sub and he's returned. Um, it feels like a a regular occurrence for me, and I think it, he's arguably becoming one of the most annoying FPL assets I think I've ever owned playing FPL in about ten years. I've played him about six games, I think, for blanks, and every time I bench him, he gets something. I literally can't get a return off the guy. I don't know what it was like this weekend for you, but the the week I've second benched him, the first sub comes on and he don't. The week I first benched him, no sub comes. He's literally one sub away from getting on every week. He gets something for me. Um, he's so frustrating. That's how you've had him from the start as well. I take it. Yeah, I've I've actually not done too bad from him because I've been playing three at the back for a while now. Um, and because I had because I had James Ward Prowse for a while, I did start him ahead of Ward Prowse a couple of times, and that that was fine. Um, but yeah, now I finally got rid of Ward Prowse. He was down to first sub so um so yeah i missed out this time but yeah so the, the reason for this look is I, I saw a few people on twitter over the weekend i won't necessarily call it overreacting but i think a few people were thinking is he now a genuine option that he should be playing every week because i think most people since wildcard at least i think have set up with three strikers now where at the start of the season it was two strikers and a, and a 4.5 fodder i think so I think most now are playing three strikers and they kind of feel like all three of their strikers are good enough that they should play every game. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And then, so you're looking at playing four midfielders and Andreas, in, at least in terms of price, is the fifth midfielder. And I think there's a general reluctance to bench a higher price midfielder to play him. So I think it'll be a decision after overhaul for people, whether he is good enough now at that price to be a permanent player Um and then maybe you can get an extra premium striker in or an extra premium midfielder in even to, to play with him if you want to play him every week. So I thought I'd have a little look in, in terms of his numbers and just see if he is good enough to be a regular striker. Um, tricky, I think, the first point I'm saying is, is is the awkward point that if you've got Mitrovic as well, then are Fulham good enough to play two 
attackers every week. I think most of us at the moment are trying to get two Man City players in, Haaland and a Foden or a De Bruyne. I think a lot of people have got eyes on two Arsenal attackers now, Martinelli and maybe Saka or Jesus. Do we want to be playing two Fulham attackers every week? I'm not saying it's a definite no, because they do seem to score a fair number of goals, Fulham, but it just feels a bit wrong, doesn't it, to, to be playing two every week? I don't know what you think about that to start with, Martin. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is good value, though. I mean, coming back to Andreas's price, like, you know, we often talk about old oh, players are priced the way they are for a reason, but you do get anomalies, and he is an anomaly, isn't he? Like, he's only priced as low as he is because he was expected to be a squad player at Man United. Well, when the game was released, he hadn't gone to Fulham yet, right? So, yeah. so that's 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 why he is priced as he is. It's not because, you know, he's necessarily a poor player. So you do get these anomalies, and I think he is one of those examples where you kind of have to ignore his price because he was priced based on things that are no longer true. Um, so I think you need to put that to one side. Like, like, like I say, I started him ahead of Wall Prowse a couple of times. I started him ahead of a, a third striker a couple of times. It's only really this week that I've missed out on his points. He's probably been, you know, I'm not having a great season, but he's probably been the one area where, you know, you know, picking him more often than not has been, has been good, good. But, um, so yeah, I th- I think um, I think you can have him. I d- I do think it is important that m- that he is paired with Mitrovic though. I mean, we see at the moment, you know, N- Mitrovic still doesn't look quite right, does he? I don't think. So wouldn't surprise. So you know, is he going is he going to be fit? I mean, there's only three games till the World Cup now. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's viable because there's such there's such a good value pairing, like they're. It's, it, it seems unlikely that they're not going to return value for money. And if it's allowing you to do stuff elsewhere, then I I don't think having two Fulham is a reason not to do it, personally. I was worried to start with, maybe, with Harry Wilson coming back. Obviously, it was his first game back the weekend. Um, was that going to impact his minutes? Now, obviously, that's not a guarantee. They obviously played together the weekend. When well, Is that going to be the case permanently moving forward? Or will Wilson spend time as a number 10. You'll probably know more about that than me, Martin, having obviously monitored the championship a lot closer than me last year. Mm. But they've obviously got a lot more attackers at their disposal now with William, with Wilson coming back. Um, the the Cover Reed seems to play a lot of games on he played right back the weekend, but that's not his first choice position, is it? So I don't know if he will carry on being as nailed. And a lot of these, these returns are coming from set pieces as well, Andreas. And with Wilson back, with William there, I guess there is a chance he won't take all of them. So... Yeah, there's no doubt you, you, he's going to be in your squad, I think. If, you, if you've had him at 4.5 at the start, there's no way you're selling him unless you really want to go in with five serious midfielders, should we say, at price at higher price points. If that's going to be your strategy, five, eight million plus mids. We'll get to that slide in a minute, though, to whether he's justifying being as good as them. But mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm keen to see how well he does when, when the other players come back. Maybe you help him having Wilson and players like that around him. I don't know, but... Yeah, the, the, so we've got two slides on, on Andreas. This is the first one, trying to compare him to other midfielders around his price point. It's interesting you said already that he's overpriced because he wasn't playing for Fulham when the game launched. Do you, 5.5 seems like a reasonable price, what he would have been, I would, I would imagine, if he was. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think that he probably would have come in around there, wouldn't he? I don't know, how much is Wilson? Because Wilson was like their star midfielder in the championship. So he probably would have been a touch less than that, I would, I would have said. But Yeah, he could have been. I'm not sure. I've never looked at him, to be fair. Was he 5.5? He wouldn't surprise me, maybe, if he was six, even, Wilson. But yeah. I, so I've compared him to others. It started off at 5 or 5.5. So on the screen now, for those listening, are 
seven players. So Andreas, then Aronson from Leeds, Granit Xhaka, Damari Gray, Michael Elise, Leon Bailey and Miguel Almiron. Um, so they're all at the moment priced at 5.5 or less. Um, and we've got some stats on the screen uh, for full season, for chances created, assists, um, shots, goals, and unexpected numbers for goals, assists, and the combined number for those. He has created the most chances of this batch, 27, um, with Aronson next, 23, and he's, he's ahead for assists as well with four. Interestingly, he's not quite ahead, though, for expected assists. So yeah, he's helped by the fact he takes set pieces, I think, for a lot of his chances. I don't know what the expected assist sort of number would be for someone that takes corners and things. But um, Leon Bailey is actually top of this list for expected assist, 1.79. But they're all, if you run them all up, they're all averaging to two. So that's Andreas, Damari Gray and Leon Bailey. So Andreas has actually got more assists from that group. In terms of shots, he's third behind Almiron and Damari Gray again. Um, and in terms of expected goal involvement, he's fourth. Um, Almiron way out ahead 4.88 so far Leon Bailey uh, sorry second is Damari Gray 3.71 Leon Bailey 3.37 and Andreas 3.02 so his, his, his goal numbers not amazing 1.43 expected goals that's nearer the bottom of this list really assists he's fairly good but not the best I actually thought before I made this table I would have thought he'd have been comfortably ahead for this and it turns out he's not. So I don't know if it, what that really tells us. Almiron's way out in front here, I think, now. Obviously, we couldn't. there's issues around him long-term when Isak comes back and things where he stay in the team. It seems like he's undroppable at the moment, Almiron. And I think if you was telling me now to only own one of these for the, for the foreseeable, I think I would sacrifice Andreas for Almiron, even though it's uh, what we look at, a 0.8 gap at the moment between them. I may even sacrifice Andreas for Leon Bailey. They've dropped to the same price now, which is wild that they're both 4.6. So let alone is he good enough to compete with those at sort of the 7, 8 million bracket. He's not necessarily the standout or his own bracket, which I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised about. Yeah, I suppose the thing is, though, apart from Zaka, um, Zaka and Aronson, the rest, you know, haven't been considered as, you know, reliable starters, have they? That's why we've all... You know, as well as his price, that's why we've all got Andreas, right? So we know we know he plays every week. Um, as you mentioned, with Harry Wilson back, will that change? I don't know. I think they've got they've got to try and find a way to play him together. I think, but but that's that's the reason that Andreas is the talk, isn't it? Because you know, Gray, Elise, Bailey, Almiron, you know, they would all all have been seen as like minutes risks, wouldn't they? It's not turned out that way for Almiron, especially. But so if you think you can trust the likes of Almiron going forward. And you can, you know, you can spend that extra, what just point uh, eight is it? Then yeah, it looks looks worth it, doesn't it? But just whether you have got that extra money for the, for that spot, I suppose. I don't think you're going to sell Andreas for someone else around the same price bracket. Now your transfers are going to be used, understandably, on profile mm. positions. But after World Cup, I yeah. think it does get interesting because say Isak will be back for Newcastle then. Does that mean a change of system for Newcastle to try and incorporate Isak and Wilson? Um, I, I always thought he was picked a little bit like, um, this is Amaron I'm talking about, picked a little bit like maybe someone like Ayu is at Bristol Palace. He's a bit like a, a defensive forward in a way. I know it seems a bit weird thing to say, but he's he's picked more for his pressing and his work rate rather than his output. Obviously, Amaron seems to be finding a bit more output at the moment, whether this is a, a short-lived 
couple of game weeks, whether it's um, likely to carry on, we don't know. But it's probably not much in it between Newcastle and Fulham, to be fair, for goals. I haven't studied the numbers in great depth, but I know Newcastle are quite good going forward. But say Fulham do score a lot. Um, Andreas on set pieces. I don't know. Leon Bailey becomes interesting again now. I say Villa have got a new manager. We'll wait till we get to the Villa side later about what, what I think about him. Um, but a lot of people obviously sold him, hence the, the drop in price from five to 4.6. And Villa can't keep him fit since we've signed him, which is another problem where Andreas, I think, has played every game. But he was very good for the first half of the weekend against Brentford. Um, so he's an option again now. Do you go in with, with two of these after the World Cup? I don't know. Um, he hasn't really helped me out. So I thought Andreas would be top, but he's not. Um, is Elmeron good enough with Andreas to have three midfielders, other ones, and maybe pick one of them two every game? I don't know. But I, th- I think look, doing research in this has made it a little bit more awkward, if anything. So I, I thought he was a standout of this bracket when he maybe isn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like if you want to... You know, after the World Cup, if you want to play a five-man midfield, then if you're if you were confident in the minutes in some of these other guys, then if you can find the extra cash, then it might be worth going against him. Um, but obviously, if you know if you if you're still going to be benching him from time to time, then obviously still value for for that kind of thing. But if you want him every week, it, I think it just shows that there are alternatives around about the same price. You, you, I'm right to say you had Odegaard for a bit, didn't you? Um, I bought him in last week. Yeah, so it feels like he's one of those. That there'll be numerous weeks where he gets two points because he is the most central playmaker and some games he just won't get the assist. Looking at this, he doesn't seem to have a great goal threat and he's shooting like a reasonable amount, but it feels like he's more in the team for assists than goals. Hmm. But at least from what we've seen right now, i say maybe the addition of the extra attacking players might increase his goal output. I don't know. But it feels like he's one of those you just have to persevere with. So you'll play him for three twos and then you'll go and get a goal and two assists or something together. And the older guy did it in one game, didn't he? Earlier in the season, he got a fairly big call, I remember. Yeah. Um, and it's whether you want to persevere with, with, with that sort of player. Because I don't think he's going to get you big, big points. Like the odd double figure return like this week, he got 10, I think is, is doable. Certainly a stream of seven and eights, I think is probably doable. But there will be a lot of twos in there as well because... So you're relying on the assists and that makes him a bit awkward because I don't think he's that sort of player you want to keep playing when he keeps getting two. I say I've been unlucky that I've had to use him sporadically and I keep getting nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but had I just picked him every week, I probably would have, I'm sure my rank would have been higher from doing that. Yeah. Um, just We'll move on to the other side. So I've, I've paired him up now with a lot of the, more sought after mid-price mid. So Madison, Martinelli, Saka, Foden, Bowen, Zaha to see where he sits in with them. Strangely, again, he's still top for chances created in amongst this group as well. He's 27. He's still the best Madison next on 22. From memory, looking at the stats earlier, I think he's fourth in the whole league amongst midfielders for chances created, which is insane for his price. I think De Bruyne is above him. Um, I can't think of who the other ones were off the top of my head now, but he was fourth. But he is the worst of these for expected goal involvement. Um, worst of these for expected goals scored. Assists, he's not quite bottom, he's in the middle. But shooting the least, lowest expected goals. Top assists though at the moment and top for chances created. So I think it's a big commitment. I, I don't think it's 
the worst to maybe go three five two and pick him every week if if you knew at the minute for example you wanted Salah De Bruyne and Haaland just use them three if if you wanted to go in with three four premiums I think you can get away with playing him in a three five two and picking him every week I, I don't think it's necessarily a big negative to your team but I do think there are other midfielders with more upside if you want to have a more balanced team I think is what I've, what I've come to I think with, with him I don't I don't hate picking him but I don't think he's quite my style I don't think the premiums are all delivering enough I know Kane keeps getting returns obviously Salah's was popular for a couple of weeks and hasn't really justified that premium and if people start wanting Darwin soon and then Haaland's obviously still a run um, yeah I don't hate it um, but yeah, I don't think it's quite for me to to say right now that he's going three five two and just picking him every week is is a solution. I don't think it's something I at least want to do. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, he's um he's a fair way behind some some of these actually, isn't he? In, in some of the metrics, so yeah, to say he's performing like an eight million midfielder, I mean, it's, he's not quite actually, is he? Um, you know, based on these numbers, you'd expect you'd expect all of these players to go past him uh, at, at some point in the second half of the season if it, if this carries on, right? Um, yeah. Plus, add in Harry Wilson. You know, we'll take some set pieces off him, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. What are you feeling about these other ones? Just while I've got this slide open, forget Andreas for a second. Obviously, these other six are all quite popular. I've got at the moment. Three of them. I've got Foden, Bowen, and Martinelli. I've had Madison. I'm weighing up Saka. Zaha's never far from my thoughts. Do anything stand out? Look at these numbers for a preference from these moving forward. I think Martinelli stands out. I've said it from the start. I think he's a season keeper and he's essential. I think he's price. Mm-hmm. I had him at six million, and the fact he's not at six point eight now, he's probably he's, he's probably still too cheap. I think even at six point eight, I think he's probably performing like. Maybe even a seven point five mid. I would. I'd probably go as far as I say Martinelli's probably the right price for him. So he stands out. But of the other ones, I think he's quite tight, isn't it? It is quite tight. I think Bowen stands out from the perspective of. Um, I think we've even got a question on. You know, is he worth holding until the World Cup? If you've got him, you know his his underlying numbers aren't aren't bad, are they? Like again. He's an end of achiever here, isn't he? He's, his goals are below the expected. It's only two goals we've expected of four. Yeah, exactly. So, let's say I think we've got a question on whether you know if you've got him, should you just hold him until the World Cup? And I think, I think the answer is probably yes. I think this strengthens the argument for yes. Just, just hold him, doesn't it? Probably. I, I'm gonna. We can answer that question now. I'm gonna hold him. I know there's a temptation maybe to sell. He's the the one to sell to get the to get to Saka maybe or someone else around that price point. I was always holding him from the, the pod we did, what was it, two, three weeks ago now, where we looked at the um, expected goals conceded of the defenders and he was, was the best for fixtures based on those. The home games with Bournemouth tonight um, and then Palace and Leicester, those two were two of the worst defences for expected goals conceded. I haven't seen anything recently to suggest they've improved. Palace look very open at the moment. The Leicester were quite lucky not to let two or three in homes of Wolves the weekend in the first half. So... I still think they're good games to hold him for. I wouldn't be sending him for for those games. Um, I know he's maybe a bit underperforming. It can be a little bit frustrating. But I'm not seeing enough from the others to to really justify it. I'm not going to get excited about Madison again, for example, just because he less than one 4-0 the weekend. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's a hold. I'd rather shuffle my strikers around, I think. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I hope that's helped a little bit in terms of Pereira. Um, hasn't helped me to be honest. It's made things a bit harder. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll cross. We'll, we'll come back to discuss him again over over the World Cup time or something and see where we are for for wild cards for where is it game week seventeen. So we'll go on to the fixtures. You can leave this bit, Martin. Okay. Um, yeah. So first up is Leicester versus Man City. Um, Leicester three clean sheets in a row now. Four clean sheets from their last five. If you'd said five games ago that they're going to keep four clean sheets in the next five, um, yeah. I mean, you. I don't think anybody would have called that, would they? Um, so. <laughs> Someone did suggest playing Danny Ward over Nick Pope on Saturday, and I kind of laughed at them because Leicester's expected goals in away games is so bad. I yeah. really thought Wolves, even it's Wolves, I still thought they'd score. Um, but he got six points more than Nick Pope this weekend, so it was obviously a good move for, for this particular week. I did it, I played him over Pope this week. You did? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just, just, yeah. Just because how more more because of Wolves than than Leicester, but um, but yeah, I did it. Um, so yeah, th- three clean sheets in a row, four from the last five, and Danny Ward now has the same number of FPL points as Sanchez and Ramsdale. And he's only four <laughs> behind. He's, he's only four behind Ellison, and it's nuts because weren't people laughing? They didn't have that seven points for eight games or eight points through seven games or something like that long ago. Yeah, they conceded. I'm pretty sure they conceded like a record amount of goals for like the opening six games or something. I remember yeah. all the memes going around. It was averaging like a point a game when everyone else was averaging like three, four points. And yeah, about how bad, badly priced he was. Or I still wouldn't own him at the moment if he was worth 3.5 million or something. I think some people were saying, but yeah, it's there you go. Now he's got, he's got, he's, he's, if you've held him since the beginning, you're now doing just as well as people that held Sanchez and Ramsdale from the beginning. And you're only four points behind people that have had Edison from the beginning. Bonkers. I don't think you'll get a clean sheet in this game, though, Martin. <laughs> no, we're all still going to captain Harlan this weekend, though, aren't we? Um, so, uh, so yeah. Uh, but having said that, I was trying to find, I was just just for fun, trying to find reasons not to captain Harlan, or even though we all know we're going to do it. So you've got those those clean sheets and Danny Ward figures. Um, and Man City have only won two of their last five away games in all competitions. Um, and Haaland's points in away games, his biggest haul came on the opening day um, against West Ham. Since then, his away games have been um, FPL points of 6, 9, 6, 2. So, um, so yeah. numbers, are they? They're obviously good, solid uh, scores for your squad, but mm-hmm. you kind of want double-figure returns from your captains, don't you, really? Yeah, so say since the opening day, it's not really. I mean, you know, that nine is not bad, but yeah, six, nine, six, two. So, the people that have been taking them on, you've probably just been doing it in the wrong weeks. Um, I'm guilty of doing that in, in one of them. Um, but yeah, but it's still, still, you're not gonna, you're not really gonna go against it, are you? Against Leicester, I don't think, even despite all what we've just said, it's just, it's just too much of a. It's just too scary, is it? Or is I it? I know Ward did well the weekend, and, foot, and Wolves had nineteen shots or whatever it was, and couldn't score past him. But I haven't seen the highlights. Uh, it, it wasn't like he made a string of outstanding saves. I think that the, there were saves you'd expect a goalkeeper to make at least the majority of them. So it's not like he is. I'm, I'm sure his confidence is much improved from the earlier game week. So I'm not saying he's in amazing form. 
they're not the quickest at the back. Leicester, I think Haaland could have a bit of a, a running behind them in there. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, they, they are quite good at home, though, Leicester. I say, as bad as they are away for expected goals conceded in home games, they're generally a lot better. I think they were second or third in that chart from a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, well, you can see, you see the graphic in the bottom left there. Um, so their recent results beat Leeds 2-0. Nil nil against Crystal Palace, beat Forest 4 0, um, lost 1 0 to Manchester United. So those are their last four home games. They've only conceded once in their last four home games. Yeah, is is it them improved or is City just a different animal for those teams that have they've, they've hosted um more recently? Um who knows, right? I, 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 <laughs> who knows? I, I won't I won't put it past them scoring, so anyone. I know Darren's gone for top pick Cancelo. He's got to be expected a lot of attacking returns because I think there's a good chance they'll let one in. Well, he's even said though it'll be three one. Darren absolutely loves picking a defender for top pick and then not backing him for a clean sheet at the same time. <laughs> he does every week. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if this will be one of the one of the games, one of the playmakers, whether it's Foden, whether it's Grealish starts, whether it's De Bruyne. Also, are they guaranteed to play City? You've got a Champions League game, haven't they? Um, Dortmund yeah. Wednesday um, so yeah they're away to Dortmund I know they're already through in the group but they're still not guaranteed to top the group yet and I think Guardiola tends to take that quite seriously so I wouldn't be surprised if they go close to full strength again I was I was quite surprised to see Mahrez play in the weekend for that reason because mm. he's reserved for Champions League so yeah I wasn't expecting him to start um, the weekend game against Brighton Maybe he thought because Brighton want to hold the ball, I and mean, it's all about they it, how teams press them is how they sort of trigger their attacking play. Maybe because Mahrez isn't very good at pressing, that's maybe why they picked him. I don't know. I'm maybe thinking a bit too deep into it, but yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying he'll be Man City's top point scorer this week. To be honest, Martin, but I, I, I do think he'll score in this game. Harlan, he might be another six points again, though. Yeah. Could be, could be some food for thought. Not telling anybody not to captain him, but got to try and make it interesting, right? Throw up some numbers to make you well, think. Let's see if someone else actually comes out looking way better. I'm not, I can't remember all the fixtures at the top of my head, but I'm not holding out much hope that there's going to be a, a battering in amongst this. Let's move on. Uh, right, Bournemouth versus Spurs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, every, every, everything that's happening recently points to this potentially being a low-scoring game, I think. Um, Spurs have only scored two in their last five away games in all comps. Um, and Bournemouth themselves have blanked in four of their last five home games. So it kind of probably points to maybe a narrow Spurs win. I mean, I've, I've gone 2-0, you've gone 1-0, Darren's gone 2-0. But I, th I think, you know, the, the numbers sort of point to that. Um Bournemouth's home form versus Spurs away form. Um, it's basically identical. Bournemouth are averaging 1.33 points at home. Spurs are averaging 1.33 points away. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you just, I think it's like, it's probably Kane or or nothing really, isn't it? Um, I mean, if you've got Doherty or Perisic, I guess you, I guess you hold on to them, but... I've got Doherty. I think I'll probably play him. I'm hoping Emerson Royal starts the Champions League game midweek and then I'll, I'll start Doherty in this game. Mm. Tottenham being Tottenham again the weekend, right? P 
penalty or a set piece. That's the only way they score goals, it feels like. And usually it's been penalties a lot lately. This time it was imagine he come, come directly from a corner or from a it's direct from the corner, wouldn't it? Yeah, flipped on. So yeah, typical Tottenham goal. It may be another one of those this week. This is gonna hinge really on how expensive Bournemouth wanna be. I think if they want to keep it quite compact, Tottenham will probably struggle to break him down. Unless, as far as I know, Kulisevsky isn't back. Mora came on. I think he'll be a help. They need someone, a Mora or Kulisevsky, that in some way links the um, the central midfielders to the attack. Kane can do it a little bit when he drops off, but it's not exactly ideal either. And so Tottenham just... It's, it's not so much Tottenham. It's, it's, it's Conte's system. Yeah. It just seems to be lacking. Tot- Tottenham are very much a... Um, Try and pick your pockets forward, and then sort of attack with numbers when, when they pinch the ball. If Bournemouth don't allow themselves to get counter attack like that, I think, and maybe let Tottenham try and dominate the game. I think they'll got half a chance of getting something here. Bournemouth, Tottenham, well, enemies of their own downfall, weren't they? Defensively, the weekend they seemed a bit off it in the in the um, in the Newcastle game. Yeah, I was, I was very close to writing nil nil for this, but. I, I, um, I can't keep slating Spurs every week on these. <laughs> yeah, you think they you think they might think they might nick it. Um but yeah, we're not not expecting big numbers really, um, based on current form. No, so maybe I maybe I should change my top pick to Lucas Moore. I think he'll play a bit more of it. I don't know how long he got against Newcastle, but I think he'll get longer than what he got against Newcastle in this game. So could be him to have an impact. Okay, um, next one's Brentford versus Wolves. So, I mean, I'm kind of expecting a sort of similar response um, from Brentford to the like the Brighton game, really. Obviously, they got hammered 5-1 away at Newcastle and then they came home and um, <clears throat> and beat Brighton. Um, they've just been slapped 4-0 away again. Um, but their home record, again, as you can see in the sort of bottom left graphic there, their home form is like... Um, you know, a different different world to to their susceptibility to getting hammered away, isn't it? So, Wolves Wolves away form dreadful as well. Um, so Wolves one goal in their last five away games, um, and Brentford are looking for their third consecutive clean sheet at home. So they got a good chance of getting it. I would say. I mean, I know they've said Wolves have said that this guy is going to lead them until January, but. <laughs> And I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up not happening. As I said last week, really, I think I think Wolves are in a, in a bit of a mess. They're in a bit of trouble, really. Yeah, I feel a bit bad for them. What they say, they were quite unlucky against Leicester. They didn't really have any clear, clear-cut chances, but it was quite noticeable how involved Diego Costa was. Mm. He, he, like, he was. There was obviously a player in there. I know he's past his best now and, and whatnot, but... I think he, he still he'll still have his moments this season. This might be one of those games where it goes right for him because Brentford are a bit ropey at the minute. I know, as you say, they're they're sort of different at home to away, but there's, there's there'll obviously be a few sort of confidence issues within the camp. You think the way they're playing at the moment, so can that be exploited by Costa if he's playing more games, getting his fitness up? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm not predicted like a big win for Wolves. I wouldn't be surprised if he suddenly finds a hat trick or something in this game. Um. It's just two unpredictable teams at the minute. Wolves just got to, what they're letting five they had five shots against them and four went in. Like that Tiedemann's goal changed the game, right? And people ain't gonna be scoring 30 yard half volleys like that every week against them to sort of change the complexion of the game. So 
Yeah, maybe. I, I want Wolves to score because I don't want anyone with David Ray again. Those are clean sheet points. So <laughs> Wolves can score. That would be nice. But yeah, Brent, Brentford win probably is the more likely result. We have to say that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know. I don't know what system they might play in this game, but I know Planet FPL James always points out. Um, you know, back three versus back back four at Brentford. Tony always returns. When it's a back, what way round is it? When it's a back, when it's a back three, it's worse for him. Um, and they again at the weekend he didn't return with a back three. I think it's that way round. Whatever they played at the weekend, it's that way round where he doesn't score. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting that. But I think they played three against us. Yeah, I think they played three five two against us. So hopefully we go to a back four for this game. Yeah, that's still got Tony. So let's hope so. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing to look out for with Tony. I've got a decision whether to sell him actually because I haven't got an obvious move this week, and I've got Mitrovic. I don't really. I think I want to sell him. Um, but I haven't got to the, the slide yet, and obviously Harland. I do kind of want Jesus, um, but it's awkward to sell Tony at home to Wolves and Mitrovic at home to Everton. So I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but. I think it would be Tony that went if I did really feel like I wanted Jesus. So I've not written that move off, but that just feels like a glutton for punishment. Tony would definitely score if I sell him, I think. Yeah, I definitely I wouldn't be selling Tony for this game. I think you've you've got more uh more faith in Wolves than, than I do for sure. Um <laughs> I mean you, you you can find all the excuses that that you want, really. I just think, yeah, I just think so not very good, Martin. Is that the it's point? Been, it's been it's been my stance for a while that you know they've been they've been bad since like Jan, like going way back into last season, really. And it just seems to be it's getting worse, not better. Yeah, we are on this pod. You, you stand by your principles on Wolves. I'll do the same on Tottenham. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see Darren. Darren hasn't really got that t- target, I don't think. Uh, right, Brighton versus Chelsea. Um, yeah, I think I think tough this one. I think yeah, if you add in add in Brighton's history of drawing one one, and then Graham Potter's coming, I know it's I know it's him that contributed to that. But uh, yeah, one one written all over it. Um, yeah, again, this is another one where you know Brighton's home form is very similar to Chelsea's away form, so that maybe doesn't help us too much. Um, Trossard obviously scoring against Man City, keeping up his ridiculous run. His ridiculous run of scoring against like the Champions League clubs, essentially. Oh, everyone got him in for two games, didn't they? Did Pistol, and then everyone sold him, and then he scored. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, absolutely classic. But like I say, history history tells you he scores in the a bit. He's a bit like Zaha, I suppose. He tends to score against the top teams, um, and he did it again at the weekend. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's tricky. This it's, it's obviously Deserby's still relatively new. Like Graham Potter. You know, still wouldn't really trust his team selection yet, wouldn't you? Would you, from an FPL perspective? So it feels like a bit of a just leave it alone this one, I think. But feels like they've gone backwards a bit, Chelsea. They weren't particularly great against us, I didn't think. I know they won the game, but um, I expected better from them than what I saw in that game. And then, to be honest, I haven't seen a great deal with the Man United. I saw reasonably extensive highlights. I didn't think Chelsea were amazing in that game either. They've obviously had a couple of games where they looked quite good under Potter or really good. But other equal to the last couple have been sort of steady seven out of ten sort of performances without setting the world alight. 
But if they play like that in this game, they'll lose. Is my is my gut feeling? I, I still quite rate Brighton. I know they've been frustrating, struggling to score, especially that Forest game. Yeah. But on the whole, I think they played well in all of the Zerbies games. Yeah, agree. Yeah, it really worked for them in all of them. Um, what was the other game they they didn't win in between the Liverpool game and the Forest game where they I think they had reasonable expectation to do well and it was oh that was way to Brentford wasn't it that Friday night game? Yes, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, they lost with like seventy six percent possession. So I fancy them to win this. As you say, Trossard returns against all the good teams. Chelsea have been steady without being brilliant. I think, I don't know how Brighton will feel about sort of getting one over on Potter in this, but in, in some ways it feels like they've taken quicker to deserve than what Chelsea have to Potter, if that makes sense. I know the two teams like changing manager and styles and structures and things, and it feels like Brighton, even though results don't suggest it, I think have maybe settled in a bit quicker. They had a striker that could, was a semi-reliable for scoring. I think they could be really good, Brighton. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and like I say, I think Potter's, you know, his his team selection's been a bit all over the place, isn't it? That's, that's not a criticism of him. Like, he wants to get to know his squad, doesn't he? He's, he's still trying to figure out what his best eleven is. But from an FPL perspective, it doesn't really help us. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can see why you'd make Brighton maybe slight favourites. But... It's just it's just Chelsea having those players on the day that can sort of hurt you out of nothing, isn't it? I suppose, but and yeah, he'll, it's, it's, he'll know the weaknesses. Sorry, mate. He'll know the weaknesses of Brighton. If he he'll know if there's Adam Webster's got a particular frailty or something that maybe can be exploited or something. So it probably helps Chelsea a bit as well. Not just Adam yeah. Webster, by the way. Any player, I don't know why he just came into my head. I don't want to single him out for critique. <laughs> Maybe they could do what they, was, who did Harlan bundle over the weekend? Was that Webster? That was Webster, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll do that to him. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was that was good actually. I feel like I feel like in the past, like the soft free kick might have been given for that. But uh, yeah, I thought it was yeah, that was good. We won't um, start that argument on this pod as well. There's been enough arguments the last couple of days about soft decisions or <laughs> refereeing, so we won't get in, we won't get into that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, right, next one: Palace versus Southampton. Um, yeah, I think I said a couple of weeks ago. Like every time Hassan Hootel feels like he's on the brink, like it'll it'll pull out a couple of a few results, and that's uh, kind of happening at the moment, isn't it? But they're still not scoring a lorry load of goals, um, and they've only scored one goal away from home in their last four. Um, Zaha, I feel I feel a bit lucky that he didn't get sent off at the weekend, really. So that would have been a bit, a bit of a kicker, but um, thankfully he'll he'll still be here from this. Um, but I did think when I was cutting out the uh, the sort of um, the FPL sort of player shots there, um, Eze only one point behind Zaha, another one of them where it's like in hindsight, if you'd just gone with something over something else, like it's actually. It's quite surpri- quite surprising, but um, but maybe I mean my my criticism of Eze has been that he's just not he just doesn't have M product, but he seems to be he's maybe getting better. Um, so maybe maybe one to consider the other side of the World Cup, but for this game, um, like I say probably expect you know based on Southampton's away form, I probably expect Palace just to nick it, but. Palace are an awkward one at the minute. It feels like um, Vieira's caught in that process of trying to get too many attacking players on the pitch, it feels like to me. They're playing that 4-3-3, mm-hmm. but the two sort of outside centre mid, shall we say, it's Eze and 
He played there. Was it East that he played there the weekend? I can't remember who played there. Um, but it, it feels like they're just a bit too open. I think they need to get a second sort of more maybe disciplined player to go alongside the Corey. Yeah. Eze feels to me like he's a wide forward. Not, not that he can't play as an eight or a centre mid, but I think he's he was bought as a, as a wide forward. And obviously they're trying, whether they're trying to convert him into that role or whether they think he could. It's this position I thought Greedish would play when he went to Man City, to be fair, and they've kept him out wide. But yeah, no, I think they're just playing a bit too open, Palace. They're just not, and not that they're getting it wrong as such, but I think Vieira is just, I say, just guilty of trying to get too many attacking players on and then they're getting picked off because they're a bit too open. And as bad as Southampton can be at times, I think structurally in, in, a, in a system, I think they're, they're quite good. So, I think they, if, if Palace play again with too many attacking players, and I think Southampton have got the, the system at least to pick them off, whether the players are good enough and technical enough to take advantage of the, the positions they might find themselves in is different, obviously. But I won't be surprised if Southampton win this because, say, in terms of the, the way they set up, and way I, I like Houston Hill as a the tactical manager, mm-hmm. like on the receiving a few thumpings over the years. But as I said, the weekend I think they did quite a good job on Arsenal. They've been prone in the past to get results off Man City, haven't they? And things. So he, he can, he can do it tactically. And I, I think if there's a team that can be taken advantage of a bit in the minute, is Palace. So I'm going, to, I'm going to be a cheeky one here and predict the away win. Um, it doesn't help me at the moment because everyone's loaded up on like myself with Crystal Palace defenders and <laughs> to anticipate a clean sheet when they're quite so open. Yeah, it's been it's been really poor, that isn't it? I mean, yeah, Anderson. 29 points um and gay he like he's, he's behind ward even on 20 he's not even made the screen he's less <laughs> than ward on 23 um so yeah that's that's not really happened is it but uh you want to play him in this game really wouldn't you your palace def- your palace defenders but i I, th- I think so yeah i like say when you when you look at it you say southampton have only scored one one goal away from home in the last four um yeah, but say improving. They've gone to Bournemouth and won. They've got a got a result against Arsenal. So maybe I say we've seen it. We've seen it previously in previous seasons, haven't we? Every you think you think Hassan who was on his way out, and then they go eight unbeaten and like win five of them. Um, that's that's the way they've been for a couple of years now. So say it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be a complete shock if they came here and came in and won. To go down, not directly, but if I think I was looking at the the the, the odds the other day for what the the most likely relegated three teams were, I think it was them. It was Forest, Bournemouth, and Southampton was the, was the shortest price. So obviously, whether it's bookmakers or gamblers, whoever it is, um, don't hold them in the highest regard, should we say? But I think they'll stay up. I think they'll, they'll, we'll find a worse team than them. I know Leeds are obviously the ones at the minute that are maybe got the most to be concerned about. I think Lavia's Lavia's like pretty much back now. I think and that's that'll be big for them because that'll allow that'll allow Ward Prowse hopefully to play a sort of more natural game as well. So that'll be that'll be big for them because they've got you know I've said it before you know as, as a Ward Prowse owner he's doing so much defensive work because they've yeah. got nobody else. They're like they've lost their best like creative midfielder, you know, t- to a DM almost a DM job. So getting Lavia back will be big for them as well. If he is, I think he's pretty much back. So we'll see about that as well. Uh, Newcastle Villa. 
I'll, I'll give you the stage on this one, Craig. Do you want to tell us what you think about uh, Unai Emery in? Yeah, I think most of the social media reaction so far has been positive. And I'm not negative about it. I'm a, I'm, I'm a lot more positive about this move than what I was when we got Gerard. Um, and I certainly feel like the position we're currently in, the league position we're in, and and the sort of the state of the club, shall we say, I, I certainly feel like it's an appointment above the level that I would have expected us to get. So I can't critique us in, in that sense. I think we've punched above our weight to get him. But I a lot of his reputation, a lot of the pedigree that he's obviously built up for himself is based on cup performances. He's obviously won the Europa League numerous times with Sevilla and stuff. Um, apart from at PSG, where I think there's reasonable chance that me or you might be able to w- win the league with them. <laughs> um, I, I'm not... I think that's the only time he's really he's won a league title. And, and a lot of the times he's like fifth, sixth, seventh with teams that are top four teams. So... I, I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but I think a lot of the thought when he was at Arsenal was that he, he didn't really have a, a plan or a structure or a system. That was obviously not ideal from a recruitment perspective because you didn't quite know who to buy because you weren't sure what system you was buying a player for. And I think you want a, you want a manager who's at least fairly set in their ways. And obviously you need to have a plan B from time to time and against certain opposition, you might mix it up. But when, when you're trying to buy players, you, you're trying to by a player to fit a style and a system. And I'm not sure he has that. I think he plays 4-2-3-1 the most, but he's a bit like he's a bit of a tinker man, I think. He feels like he's constantly changing something. Um, he obviously, he's good in cups where I suppose it's a one-off game where you, you set your team up in accordance to win that one-off game. He mm. seems to be really good at that. So I, I'm not criticising heavily. I'd, I'd rather have got Ruben Amarim from Sporting. That might have even been... I don't know if that was feasible, really. The club's far bigger than us would, would want him as their manager, so don't blame him if he actually turned this down. I don't even know if we approached him. Um, and I'm sure we could have got a lot worse than Emery. And I think he'll have a point to prove after Arsenal. I think he's got unfinished business in the league. He weren't horrendously bad at Arsenal, but equally wasn't amazing either. Um, so he'll have a point to prove in the league. But, yeah, I, I worry that... I think at the moment you want you want a manager with... A focus. I think Ten Hag's got it. I mean, you know, you can see what they're trying to do at the moment. He just hasn't got the players that fit the way he wants to play. Casemiro's obviously a start with that, and they're getting somewhere. Anthony's kind of a start with that. Um, Arteta's taken a couple of years. He wanted to play a certain way, didn't have the players to get there. Now with Zinchenko, with Jesus, that they've got more of the players that fit the system. But the manager is very clear with what they want to do. It's just a case of having a couple of seasons to get the players to, to get to that point. I don't see that with Emery. Um, Will we win? Is it possible we might manage to win us an FA Cup? Maybe. Is it possible possible that we'll... I don't think we'll get relegated. I think he'll guide us to mid-table. But if our grand plan mid-term is top six, uh, if I'm being honest, I don't think he's the guy to get us to there. But, say, in terms of who we could get at this moment in time, I'm pretty sure we'd have struggled to get anyone much bigger, if I'm being honest. I can't really complain too much. I don't know what your general take on him is. Yeah, I mean, like like you say, I can't. Did, did he do well at Arsenal or not? Like, I don't know. Like, you see what Arteta's done, but then Arteta has been given time to get his own players in, hasn't he? He's been he's been given a few windows to build his own team. Like, could you argue argue that Emery didn't really get that at Arsenal? Um, 
but but like you say, I suppose it does show that he does need time to get players that are right for him. So if he doesn't have that from the start at Villa, you know, what's the expectations of his immediate impact? Um, I saw so... a tweet earlier that he might, in a lot of the clubs he goes to, I don't think he sort of leads on player recruitment. I think he leads it to directors of football and alike to, they get the players in and he uses them. And I say, if he's not playing with a, with an exact system, then it's tricky for someone to bring a player in, right? Because you don't know exactly what you need. Do you want a, a right forward in a 4-3-3 or do you need someone who's more of a 4-4-2 type wide player? It's Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I've got reservations, put it that way. Um, but... I mean, in, in, the short, in the short term, I mean, you can't really fail to improve on what... <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, we can. We all want Aaron Danks as manager now after the week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it was it was getting uh, it, it was getting getting silly, wasn't it? But so because you've got good players there, really. But I mean, you know, I said this about Gerard like six, seven weeks ago. It's like I can't point to one player at Villa that's like better since he came in. I mean, sometimes you get managers that don't work out, but you can normally you can normally point to one or two players that are like their favourites that you think, well, you know, they're playing all right under them. But under Gerard, it was like just everybody seems to be going backwards. So um, so I think it's positive for you that you've made the change and in the short term, it will probably look positive. But yeah, longer term, we'll have to see, I suppose. I, I say, I think we will play like a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, which is good because... It's what we played. We played 4-2-3-1, obviously, the weekend against Brentford. For the, Gerald hasn't really played that formation. Dropped McGinn, put Den Donker in there next to Louise. So we had two in there, not one by themselves. I think that helped. The four attacking, we got Buendia into the number 10 role. I know he wasn't directly involved in all of the goals, but I think that's a positive thing to get him playing regularly in that position. This is going to be a big challenge, though, because Newcastle are on it at the moment, especially with the, the attacking pressing. Uh, they're almost the most, the most aggressive pressing team in the league it feels like in some ways Newcastle now you can exploit that if you get through it um, so you can't afford to get caught trying to play out from the back or dawdling in midfield against these because it gets swamped um, but if you, you can find a way through the press um, there's, there's hope for us I, I don't think we Emery will be there long enough to work that out if I'm being honest I don't mm-hmm. know if he's quite going to be ready. I'd imagine he'll have the whole week, so he would have the, the chance to see the team take charge and actually pick the team himself. But I think we'll get... I think we'll cope all right with the press, and I think we'll cope all right with the way Newcastle attack. But I, I can see... It feels like a game where Trippier might score a free kick or something. We haven't seen too many of those sort of games yet, where he's... I know he's been getting doing quite well for clean sheets and been getting a bonus points, but in terms of attacking returns, he's actually been quite quiet, it feels like Trippier. That's what people have got him in for. I don't remember him getting too many assists, even. No. It, it could be one of those games where he, one of his free kicks gets headed in or a corner gets headed in or he scores a free kick. I, I, I can see us getting dominated in terms of shot count and stuff. I don't think the scoreline would be a particularly heavy one here. And we have got attacking players that, given the chance... Now, Ollie Watkins can have six, seven shots a game, but one one of these games he'll score three or four goals. Now, that, I don't think it'll be this one. No. But but we've, we've got attacking players that can score if presented opportunities. And we, we had chances against Chelsea, six, seven on target. I think the weekend we had obviously a lot of chances as well. 
So it feels like we have turned the corner at least, and we are creating stuff. So could, could we? I'm not. I'm not saying it's a definite loss. I'm more optimistic we could get something, but yeah, you, you can't go against Newcastle the way they're playing at the moment. I think they're going to be really high on confidence, aren't they? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, right, should we move on? We've, we've been going nearly an hour already. We still <laughs> get three. Um, right, Fulham versus Everton. So. Um, yeah, I say Mitrovic he still didn't look quite right um, at the weekend, but um, but he got through it. Um, so yeah, probably have to probably have to assume they're just going to keep playing him. Although I wouldn't be I wouldn't be completely shocked given where they are now. They've won they've got another three points on the board. I, I, I don't think anybody should sell him, but I just wouldn't be massively surprised if they if they gave him a bit of a, a bit of a wrestle, maybe they'll do it for the Man City game where they, they feel like they might get battered anyway. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, the, the thing I've noted for this is uh, Mitrovic has got Man City away um, after this. So I think, you know, people might be looking at a replacement for him for the final two games. I wonder whether Calvert-Lewin could be a cheeky little option if you can get to him, because Everton's last two Leicester home, Bournemouth away. Is he fit enough to start them all? I suppose that's the risk with him. If they just come back from a reasonably lengthy injury, would they just throw him straight into... Did he start the weekend? I know he scored. Um, did he start? I can't remember if he started or not. No, I, I didn't. I was at a wedding. I think, yeah. So I missed some of the team sheets, but um, I don't hate it as an option. Differential punt for a couple of games. I agree. I think I'll probably sell Mitrovic for those for those last two. So yeah, yeah. I think Skamaka will be popular. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't hate it if you want to um, punt Calvert Lewin. He's so focal to their team, Mitrovic. The team's just not the same without him. Either. I know he's not the, the, the sort of the buzziest striker, shall we say? But he's obviously just a general nuisance, and they get balls into him, and anything can happen. Right? He's I'm pretty sure I'll have him after overhaul as my th- as my third striker, my cheapest striker. But I, so I'm not against selling him now and then obviously getting him back on the overhaul. Yeah. Yeah, it's an option uh, for that last two games. I think some people will go in different directions for that. I'm just looking at whether he started at the at the weekend. Yeah, he did start. Uh, he did start um, and he played, played 78 minutes at the weekend, actually. He's, a, he's an option. I say if anyone that's got Salah and getting fed up with him after Leeds, they could sell him and then obviously use the money to maybe even get get Mitrovic to Nunes and then downgrade Salah or something's an option, isn't it? It's, I think I'm likely to roll this week to give myself options like that for next week with two transfers. Mm. But he's, yeah. he's a perfectly good hold-up. He, he's, he's scored quite a lot. A few, um, what was it, earlier in the year, scored at Liverpool, didn't he, Arsenal, Mitrovic. He's got returns against the big teams, so he could score against Man City, I guess. He could, yeah. Um, he could. The other thing, digging around, putting this together this week, um, I thought was quite interesting. Um, just the lack, the lack of bonus bonus points that Mitrovic has been getting. Um, so Leeds this weekend, that's the fourth game he scored in and not got any bonus points at all. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's been another two games he scored in where he only got one. Um, and this is, I, th- I think may- maybe it's uh, maybe it's symptomatic of the fact he's not quite right. But this is the second game in a row where he scored and not got any bonus points. 
um, say maybe that's symptomatic of him not being 100% fit and, you know, just um, just getting involved in the game sort of at the, at the key yeah. moments. But I suppose if you got six points from every week at his price, though, that's fair enough, isn't it? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just thought I thought just thought it was interesting, quite surprising, because um, like you say, you think of him as being the real focal point of the team, but actually he's not the one picking up bonus points. But interesting, who is? I'm not expecting you to have that to hand, Martin. By the way, but it'd be interesting who's getting them instead. Then if it's if it's not him, yeah, yeah. I may Andreas, no doubt. Is yeah, and Andreas, um, Dick or Dover Reed would be a, a guess as well, but. Um, so he's on he's on forty one points for the season, um, only seven behind Andreas, with far less attacking returns. So, um, anyway, let's move on. Liverpool versus Leeds. Um, so, yeah, I suppose we were talking at the start. Is anybody going to stand out as a potential alternative to Haaland? Well, Salah's maybe there again. Leeds in um, in pretty poor form. Uh, has to be said. So um, away from home, they've conceded at least twice and uh, three times in a row now. I mean, they've gone to Brentford and lost 5-2. So they've just lost 3-2 at home to Fulham. So maybe if you did want to, you know, are, are people going to double down and go Salah? Again, um, not personally. I do I do own Salah. I'm going to hold him. I think yeah. that an, another question is, do you, do you hold Salah through or... Do you just punt him out? I think personally, my view is, and again, it might be team dependent, but if I sell Salah, I can't really see what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do other than potentially just move sideways to De Bruyne because I've only got two City at the moment. But if you've already got three City, I think for me as a hold, they've still got Leeds home, Southampton home, two two pretty fairly plum home games, and then Tottenham away. So Tottenham aren't defending great at the moment. Liverpool do tend to turn up for the bigger games, even when they're not in particularly good form. So for me, he's a hold, but I don't know what you think, Craig. Did you, nice. did you bring him in? Or no, I've got him. Yeah, I've got him. Um, I'm playing him in this game because I, I, I know some people think Stroik's been doing okay at left-back for Leeds, but I think he could be given a run around here to be favoured. I know Salah on the right is not ideal. Everyone got excited. They might be playing centre-forward a bit more often. Um I think I do feel like in terms of matchups, I know it's not something we mentioned that much in terms of FPL content, but I like that matchup against Stroik this week. Um, and you got a fancy Liverpool for like three goals, haven't you, or something in this? I think so, yeah. I know I only put two down, but I think three's reasonable. If Darwin, I I actually think if I knew Darwin was going to play, he he's the one I would captain more than Salah. If I was going to go against Haaland and I knew it was like the sky. This was the early kickoff, and you knew he was playing. I, I would do it. I was, I was going to do it this weekend. To be fair, when obviously the team sheet came out and Darwin wasn't in it, so I didn't. I captain Harland in the end in Sky, and he went okay. But um, yeah, I, I think Darwin will get goals for, for this Liverpool team. It's just they've obviously lost Yotta. They've they've lost Luis Diaz. He's got an iffy hamstring. Are they going to risk it? Mm. I can see why they wouldn't. You don't want a third striker being out for sort of medium term, do you? No, no, definitely, definitely not. Um, yeah, yeah some precautions, aren't they? Would would what do you what do you think I should do quickly? So I I made an impulse buy five minutes before deadline when it was clear that Darwin wasn't going to play, and I bought 
Firmino in for the Forest game. Do you think I should hold him or move into Jesus? No, you keep him, I think. I think so. I think so too. Yeah, not much more to say about this. I think you play all your Liverpool, not the never bench Liverpool anywhere, I don't think, but no. You have to give them this game. Uh, if they if they flop again here, say this is one nil and all your players get nothing, you've got a decision for the Tottenham Southampton. I'm not maybe as set on as you. I get your point completely that if I got the Salah money for two game weeks, I'm not really sure what I'd do with it. Um, I can't get to De Bruyne. You know my thoughts on Tottenham. I'm not going to get Sun. So it's going to be a downgrade to another sort of eight, nine million option and then maybe upgrade a striker. Um, but even then, I don't really want Harry Kane. So who am I upgrading to? So I can't really spend the money if I'm being honest. Unless I'm going to upgrade like a defender to Trent or something for two games. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's it. So what are you going to do with it? I mean, Salah is still Salah. He's still, he's still a high upside player. If he scored a hat-trick in one of these three games, would you be surprised? Not really. No. no. Uh-huh. And maybe it's a different... I don't know what his ownership is. Is it on the top there? Uh, no. no it's not points. But, um, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's low. It's, you know, it's, it's low for him, isn't it? So... I, I think he's a firm hold if you've got him. To be honest, you you kick yourself if you sell him and then he turns in a performance like he does, did against Rangers. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably keep. I'll probably keep. Uh, right, Arsenal Forest. Um, yeah, probably not a lot to say about this. Is there? Um, probably expect uh, expect an Arsenal win. They've been um, well perfect at home, really. Um, so. And that the, their XG at home is 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 massive as well. Really, it's like this like title winning XG that they've got at home. So yeah, despite Forest's uh, heroics against Liverpool, um, don't expect that from them every week. So I think the I think the treble up's viable here. Um, if you've if you've only got if you've only got two, but um, is Saka is Saka fit? Someone, I think Glasto, FPL Glasto asked, is Saka fit? As far as I know, he is. Do you know anything different? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think he's fit. Yeah. I the think, yeah, I think he's now Arsenal with those two away games. Um, say, formation-wise, I think they're very good. I think they'll exploit Forest. I don't think they'll be quite as um, iffy as maybe what Brighton and Liverpool have been. I, I think this would be a more than comfortable home win, if I'm being honest. So I'm not particularly happy just having Martinelli. And I say it's that that's giving me the EBGBs at the minute. And I kind of want to roll my transfer, but the thought of having the option of getting a second one in here, I completely see why people might be looking at Bowen to Saka. Understandable. Um, but I don't want to sell Bowen. Um, I'm probably more inclined to sell Zaha for Saka if I had Zaha, because he's just so unpredictable. Um, it feels like Bowen could be a bit more predictable. Don't think I can really get to Saka though, so I think it is going to have to be Jesus. But that means selling Tony, and I'm not completely sure I want to do that either. So it's a, it's a little bit of a conundrum this week. So I, I think you can trust Arsenal to score two or three here. Where I wouldn't be surprised if Brentford did, as an example, but it's a lot less reliable in Brentford's case. So yeah, some decisions, but I think I think Arsenal will fully take advantage of Forest. I've not been. I can't say I've watched all their games lately, but I won't be sort of getting over carried away because they've done all right for two games. Yeah. You can't get like Pereira to Xhaka. Don't have any cash for that. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. 
it gives you the second one doesn't it and yeah again on, on the theme of um, players with unexpected points tallies Saka's only four points behind Jesus um, yeah, and if I sold him I'd only be paying point one to get, to get him back after overhaul it's not the end of the world is it for a couple of game weeks mm. yeah it's an option maybe it's an option for four. I don't know. I'll have to bench someone else though to incorporate him. Maybe Bowen at Man United or something. Is that the last? Yeah, we're talking about Bowen at Man United. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking of Man United, West Ham uh, last up. Uh, so four, four of the last five of these have been one nil to Man United. Um, obviously, that's several different managers, and they got another different manager now. Um, but yes, yeah, it's it's. it's when you look at that and then West Ham, they do tend to lose this kind of game, but they don't tend to get battered. Um, their away form is quite poor, but I probably, you know, you never expect them to lose by more than one or two, do you? I don't think. So, yeah, make it make it five out of six, one nils to Man United wouldn't be a surprise. Um, and I think we, you know, we spoke at the top of the pod that we think Bowen's, Bowen's probably a hold looking at his underlying numbers and with those two home games to finish. Um, and again, as we've already mentioned, Schumacher, a possible Mitrovic replacement, um, maybe not this week, but next week. Yeah, I think this will be a hard game. I think Man United do seem to be getting better. It's taken a while, a couple of weeks, but I think the, the players are slowly starting to understand what Ten Hag wants from them. As a collective, I think they're playing more as a team in that way, to, in the managers in style. I think Casemiro coming in has obviously helped a bit more. It's a different sort of number six, I suppose you'd call him, to other options they had before. Trying to play McTominay and Fred as a, as a double pivot and stuff. So I think there's been decent progress for Man United the last couple of weeks. And I think after overhaul, I might consider them. I'm not really considering the Man United player yet, but I think Dallow is an option after overhaul. Because... Um, if they start playing the right system, I think they'll be they'll concede less goals. And he's got that blend of maybe attacking returns and clean sheets. He's far better option than your Guiz and your uh, Fafanas and stuff at that price, isn't he? Hundred percent. Yeah, he's he's well on my radar for after after the sort of overhaul. I know some people have already got him, but yeah, the way it's going, it's, he's almost like a no brainer, isn't he? Um, after overhaul. The way that the trajectory that Man United are on, it's been it's been weird the last couple of seasons. Like hardly ever owning a Man United player, or even when you do, not really having any confidence in them. Um, but yeah, maybe that's about maybe that's uh, changing. I don't quite mean it in the context is going to come across, but I, I'd like to see Bruno Fernandez get some returns these next couple of weeks to put himself out there as an option again. I, I don't particularly like Bruno Fernandez as a player, so I'm, I don't particularly want him to do well. But I think it'd be good for the game if he could get sort of three or four assists maybe in his next three game weeks and put himself back on the radar again. Yeah. He was quite involved in the in the Chelsea game. So definitely. It would definitely mix things up because you've got, you know, because so many people are Man United fans as well. If there's any sniff that a Man United player can be a good asset, they want they get them straight in, don't they? And it does it does shake things up a bit. Um so yeah, I agree. Um you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be Fernandez, but you know, if Sancho started showing his Dortmund form or um, or anything or anything like that. I suppose Fernandez will probably be the most interesting one because of his price, right? So yeah, I, I get that. But yeah, it'd be nice just for them as a team to 
to make people think, you know, through mix things up a bit, get people thinking about the different options would be nice when they've got the potential, definitely. I won't be getting one. Uh, I think if, I've, I've seen a few people talk about maybe getting punting Rashford for these next three games. I don't necessarily hate it, but that's not a move for me, I don't think. And then the last one, I've put the wrong uh, presentation up here, Martin. So there's questions on a slide. I haven't got them. So you might have to read them out if you've got them. Okay, yeah, that's that's all right. No problem. So, yeah, listen to questions then. Um, so first one from uh, from Sean Williams, who's uh, he's a, he's a friend of mine. So we're good at that, Craig. You get your friends asking questions. I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get mine in on it now. Um, we, answer, we answered one for Ellis, his, uh, his son, a couple of weeks ago. Um, right, so he's got, um, he's got a ridiculously good front eight, essentially, um, and wants our thoughts on who he's going to bench. Um, so he's got Martinelli, Andreas, Salah, Foden, Jesus, Tony, Haaland and Almiron. So one of them needs to miss out. Um, so it's probably Andreas, isn't it? <laughs> By default again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is it Tony, Haaland and Jesus? Jesus up yeah, front. Three of those, yeah. So he's not benching any of them. Foden. No. No, Salah, no. Martinelli, no. No, so it's Andreas, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm going to be in the same boat, I think. I think I'm going to have to, unless I bench Bowen in this game, it's on the screen still at the minute, which I'm not against necessarily. Hmm. Yeah, I'd bench Andreas. I'd, I'd play Almiron over Andreas, I think. Yeah, yeah so would I. Yeah. Um, you and I say you might you might get lucky. Mitrovic is definitely still not one hundred percent. You might get lucky. They might you, they might rest Mitrovic and then and then he, Andreas isn't quite as quite as, as good. So um, right, Pep talk us no Salah or no Salah. So I think we probably covered that, haven't we? Yeah. Um, so we've both got him and we're planning to just hold hold on to him. I, I, in your position, I, if if I only had two City, I would consider the sale to De Bruyne for a couple of games. I would consider. I, I wouldn't do it this week. I'd play Salah for Leeds, but for the last two weeks, I would consider it. But anyone that's got, I imagine the majority have got three City. I, I don't think I'd sell Salah for anyone else, unless you was really desperate to get Kane up front, for example, or another strike, a Darwin from a, a four point five or something. If that allowed that by selling Salah, I'd do it. But. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm, de I'm definitely keeping him for Leeds. Yeah, I'll look at it again. I'll look at it again. I, I think I'm going to roll my transfer as well. So I'll look at it again next week and see whether I can do something interesting as like a a pre-overhaul um, sort of shake-up that, that might make me some gains. But yeah, definitely for this week at least, it's Mo Salah. Um, FPL Richie, will we be looking to replace Mitrovic in game week 15? Um, so you're you're thinking yes, maybe for Shkamaka. Uh I've seen he's just gone off tonight, having done nothing. So that's obviously put a bit of a kibosh on it. Not each other one game to dictate future moves, but not ideal. Um, I think I'll sell Mitrovic. Yes, who for? Not a hundred percent yet. Say so Jesus two away games, not ideal. I'd like to maybe try and get to Darwin from him if I could, but obviously there's risks around his injury. So, I think yes is the answer to the question, but who for? Um, I don't know yet. Yeah. Who was like, exactly moved, isn't it, to sell him, I think? 
yeah i think so yeah i i i think i mean I've, i don't i don't own him at the moment but yeah i'd be selling him um for the yeah next week when he's got city away um for something with a bit more upside i think um says who i think we've maybe covered this as well have your say on bowen some are benching for andreas others are selling for saka which seems like a luxury to me so i think you've already said that you wouldn't sell bowen for saka no, but I, I would consider benching. I'm not 100% set yet on what way around. It's between those two for my one starting one bench this week for me. And mm. I shouldn't really be dictated by the 3.5 price difference or whatever it is between them. I, I, Andreas probably has got a better fixture on paper, hasn't he? Yeah. Owen takes penalties and generally in a more attacking position. So not quite so straightforward, but I, I'm, I'm not against benching Bowen this week if you've got a really good other seven attackers, which seems like a lot of people might have. Okay, so you'd so you consider benching him this week, but you'd hold him for the final two home games, um, yeah. one way or another. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then finally, to finish off, Richie's asked us uh, a couple of uh, silly questions. Um, so I, I quite like finishing off with a silly question. So that's good. I've not um, seen him either yet. There's only two of us to defend ourselves, though, so um, <laughs> we have to be careful what we say say about the others. Right, who wins? Uh, first up, best cook. Um, I'll throw my hat in the ring. This is the one of the one of the three where I think I might I might claim I might claim it. Um, I'm not I'm not a bad cook. My other half's vegan, so um, I can do you I can do you a, a nice meaty dinner. I can do you a vegan dinner. I can do 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 all sorts of things. So, um, I don't know. Are you, are you a decent cook, Craig? Do you do a lot of cooking? Uh, steady, man. Obviously, with the kid as well, I do do a lot. I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm a very basic cook. I can do all the basics, but I'm not one to start throwing all the herbs and spices and stuff into things. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be winning the cooking competition between the four of us. I'd be disappointed in you three if I won that. Okay. I, I can't cook, but I'm not the obvious winner. I don't think. Okay. Well, I'm going to claim that then without. Without, I'm not here to defend I'll him, take but. your word for it, Martin. I'll, I'll nominate you then. <laughs> need, need one of my chilies, mate. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, best in a mud wrestling contest. Well, I'm going to count myself out of this one because I know you and Darren are big wrestling fans, and I wouldn't know where to start. So you'd be you'd be doing all sorts, and or you, you you know you'd have uh, you'd have all these sort of. Uh, what do you call it? Like call outs for me. You'd have all these finishes, and I would I wouldn't know where to start. You'd have to back Darren for the size aspect, wouldn't you? <laughs> he's a fair old unit, isn't he? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what his sort of background is. I've done some MMA training in my past, so maybe I've got a little bit of technique gain on Darren, but you'd have the size. I don't know. I, I'll go Darren to win. I don't think my technique will. Yeah, I, I th- I think Darren has a past in in martial arts as well. So um yeah. Yeah, Darren to win that one. Most likely to work out who the killer is in a murder mystery show or film. I'm sorry, Darren, but I'm counting you out of that one, I think. Um no, I'm not great. My, listening to my wife, I'm not particularly great at plots in films. Like she she picks up on stuff like within like 20 minutes of the film starting. It takes me about an hour. So I think I'll probably get to the answer eventually, but if you need a quick solution, um, again, I'm probably a bit like the cooking one. I'm probably okay, but probably not the best. Yeah, I think I'm the same. Really, I think 
I think some people watch that kind of thing in different ways, don't they? Some people watch it desperate to try and figure it out as quickly as possible. Like that's they go into the film kind of with that mindset that they want to try and figure it out before it happens. Whereas I'm a bit more relaxed. I'll just kind of let it happen. I'll just kind of let it let it sink in, let it wash over me. Rather than wife does it, like one random scene will come on in a film and some character's in there for about 25 seconds and she'll go, he done it. And I'm like, have you worked that out for that 25 seconds? But more often than not, she's right, to be fair. Maybe <laughs> she's got some sort of, she's already read the bio of the film before we've watched it or something. And... Yeah. TV is easy, always easy, right? It's the guest star. <laughs> I guess was was it murder she wrote where it was always like they'd have the, they'd have the credits and it would be like guest starring whoever and it's like well it was yeah. them then um, well waste of time that that was murder she wrote literally it'd be forty five minutes of nonsense nothing happens and then Angela Lansbury would walk on and just then just say oh he done it and then they'd basically confess to doing it with no <laughs> sort of sort of background or no sort of intimation anything that she had no she hadn't worked anything out why he'd done it she just walk into a room and then accuse someone. And it always ended up being right. <laughs> yeah, the TV programme lasted so long. So they obviously did something right in the plot. But yeah, give that one to Thomas. I, I don't know why, just by default, Thomas can have it. Give that one to Thomas. Oh, so you're not taking any of them then? You, you normally win when we have a quiz. So yeah, you can have, you can have that. Yeah, I'll take, quiz or any I'll... sort of sports-related stuff, like participating sports-related, I'd back myself. But these are, I've been let down by the questions tonight. <laughs> well you can blame FPL Richie for that <laughs> right that's it that's it thanks everybody um, there we go like follow subscribe all that jazz if you're a regular listener watcher or if you're here for the first time smash a like smash the subscribe button uh, we're here every week with a preview of the game week um, and we'll be back um, later in the week as well for our kind of um, wrap up on our final sort of decisions um, for our own teams. So we try not to talk about our own teams too much in in this preview, um, but we'll do another one, a quick half hour later in the week. We've done it the last couple of weeks. We'll keep doing it. A uh, quick wrap up of our own teams in FPL, Sky and Gaffer. So second pod of the week gives us a chance to talk a bit more about Sky and Gaffer as well. So look out for that later in the week. We're using our squad a little bit lately. Obviously us two tonight, I think there's a few... Um, issues with attendance in there for the next couple of weeks so yeah I'll be in Mexico we're not, we're not sure who you, you it's like uh, what's those chocolate bars you never know what you're going to get what, what are those in our motto of a oh um, slogan of something wasn't it that's just Forrest Gump and it life's like a box of chocolates <laughs> yeah um, you're gonna... it's going to be like on the man on pod for a, for a couple of episodes you're never quite sure who you're going to get next couple of weeks yeah, well, I'll be I'll be here for I'll be here for the second pod of this week, and then I will be in Mexico for the next couple of weeks. So, um, so yeah, you and you and Darren, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you'll get a guest or not, but um, I'll leave that in your capable hands because I won't care. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, we'll leave it. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>